Hey, welcome to another Get Geekish podcast. Thanks once again for joining us, as you hopefully do every week. I'm Bino, and I'm joined by my cohort over there, Mr. Derek. Mr. Derek's way to start addressing you now. Mr. Derek sounds weird. (laughs) That sounds really weird. (laughs) Um, But we are continuing down our little geekish uh, brainwaves to talk about stars brought to the big screen. Behind him, you see Optimus Prime over there. Behind me, you see Luigi. Both of them beloved fictional animated characters that were brought to life in movies, for better or for worse. And this whole conversation started this week because you sent me a link about Peter Dinklage being tagged to star in a new Toxic Avenger reboot. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about reboots. We've already talked about reboots in the past. We're just talking about the fact of characters that are made up, animated, drawn, CGI'd, and then somehow brought to the big screen. In, in, in real life, you know, the, the whole live action treatment has, well, I mean, it's been around since at least the 80s, if not before that. You know, we have the faded, fabled, whatever you want to call it, Masters of the Universe. Oh, with Dolph, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> with Dolph Lundgren. You know, where they brought He-Man to life, and it was... It was not good. It it, It was enjoyable, but it was not good. Yeah. (laughs) So... I I, I feel like with modern technology, we've gotten to do a lot more things, but people have taken a few more liberties with it, because you talk about some of the ones the past, the 80s and 90s, they tried to do it. I mean, you look at the, the old Captain America movie, like... Not Chris Evans' Captain America. It was like the 1991 Captain America movie oh, and some of the awful. effects they had in there. The the original Hulk series with Lou Ferrigno and things like that. Like Special effects just couldn't quite cut it with a lot of, of the superhero genre in particular and sci-fi right. genres. Now, they can do an entire live-action movie. I'm looking at you, Disney, and not have a lick of any animation in it. Just entire CGI animals, and they call it you know something brought to life. And you can take some of you look at the behind-the-scenes pictures that I get fascinated by of the green screen and motion capture pictures side by side with actual action sequences in movies. You see like a room with three people in green suits and little ping pong balls in their head and then you flash over and it's a 400 person battle scene with stuff going on left and right that's all been added in later. It makes me giddy that that's possible. (laughs) Well, it's one of those ones too. It's like it's characters that you know, maybe we've grown up with or maybe we've come to know through the animated series. Um, you know, another hot topic this week was The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. It featured a beloved character from The Clone Wars, and there was backlash. And I don't know if we want to do spoilers <laughs> or what, but basically this character from Clone Wars was... I, I feel me, like... I, I feel like we could say the name because this isn't really giving spoilers. We'll just give you the warning now. If you haven't watched the Mandalorian, what is it, episode thirteen? Yeah, nineteen, whatever it is. Uh, four, five, they're, I don't they're, know, whatever, whatever it is. They're unveiling a Jedi that she's been. On. I mean, she's in every marketing piece they've put out since the episode aired. So I feel like we're not going to give it away for people. But if you're worried about that, just close your ears for thirty or sixty seconds, then come right back. But Ashaka, yeah, <laughs> orange skin girl with the blue and blue and white. Uh, is it a Leku? Leku? Yeah, I, I think so. It. And what, the thing is, is she was teased from even the beginning, like the announcement of season two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we all knew that she was coming and seeing her on the screen coming from a CGI animation was pretty cool. Now, a lot of people, well, some people had issues with it. In fact, like you shared an article on Facebook mm-hmm. um, about why the changes were there. Yep. 
And it's, so, it's easy to see because the, the, this uh, one of our friends was. Uh, she loved the character, but she was upset about some of the looks that changed because the, the top of her head wasn't big enough and a few other things, that, aesthetically things, they changed. And from a filmmaker's perspective, they gave very plausible reasons. Oh, we had to make those smaller for stunts and blah, blah, blah. But uh, this this particular person was still upset about it. And, you know, to each their own, rightfully so, if you have this character that's... I, I look at the same way of the Optimus Prime behind you. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw that Optimus Prime, part of me died inside. And most people are like, what's the big deal? It's a big blue truck. It's the same thing. It's just a robot. But to me, that wasn't what Optimus Prime was. And that's the same argument people are having with Ashaka, regardless of how good they made her, things they've changed. If she's not just like what you've envisioned in your head if you've grown up with watching other cartoons or comic books, there's a, there's a letdown there. When you're that into something, you're just like, this... But it's not quite right. <laughs> well, and that's that's one reason why I wanted to talk about this too, is because you know that that person who is not a fan of some of the aesthetics we're friends with, and I was sitting there reading that, and I was like, I get where she's coming from because I was the same way with you mm-hmm. with Transformers. We go in there, he has flames on him. Cool, you want to make him more up to date, I guess, whatever. But then you give him a mouth, and why that like that didn't need to happen mm-hmm. you know it didn't need to have a mouth and then just other things of that movie with how they changed megatron and everything like that it was just one of those ones like we get to see our childhood come to life and it's disappointing but it's still entertaining mm-hmm. and I, I don't know why hollywood does that so many times because a lot of comics and cartoons and things like that have these beautifully laid out storylines mm-hmm. and then somebody comes through and decides to make a movie out of it and then they just say like, yeah forget all this stuff that worked i'm doing my own thing let's look at avatar the last airbender <laughs> how excited were you to hear they're making a live action avatar movie well we went on opening night remember yeah. that's how excited we were yeah and i probably could have cried <laughs> when we walked out of that movie because not only did they just, instead of changing, oh, these, these aren't quite the way I imagined them, they completely butchered, changed, altered a bunch of the characters on there, so it was nothing, you know, had none of the heart the cartoon series did. Mm-hmm. It was one of those ones where, like, they took the characters and just made them flat, mm-hmm. like, as dull as possible. I mean, even, you know, behind you, you got Luigi and Mario. I know that movie's not great, <laughs> And it has basically almost nothing to do with the video game other than names. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those ones as a kid, I was like, eh, but now I look back at it, I was like, how did they mess that up so bad? I don't know. The only thing they got right was Mario and Luigi actually looked pretty decent. Yeah. But every other character, like the Goombas and King Koopa and stuff like that, like, where do you, where, what planet Yoshi. are you guys even on? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that that whole. That whole I, movie. I, I feel like one of the good ones was the original Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, and that's not saying it w- it didn't have its own flaws in it, but because uh, a lot of people knew Ninja Turtles from the the old comics, and another generation of us knew about the Ninja Turtles because of the animated show, and then the live action movie came out, and it was kind of somewhere in between. It was <laughs> a lot darker than the cartoon show, but it wasn't that dark. And they tried to add some of the comedy from the cartoon series, but I think the biggest problem with the, the live-action individuals was some of the action 
just wasn't there. Yeah, they were they were it, trying to do these stunts in big rubber suits, and it just it it looked a little silly at times. But well, that's the that's the thing too is you you look at the animation, you know, the cartoon, and they always have like this big old brawl out with the Foot Clan and with Shredder, and in the movie, like their fight with Shredder is like. And it's done. You're like, mm-hmm. wait, the whole movie built up to this. Yeah. So I, I mean, that one, that one at least tried to to stick with the heart of what the the series was about. I'll right. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that one. One that, <laughs> one that irritates me seeing, you know, something from our childhood or whatever that I was passionate about come to come to live action. The one that really irks me, and I tried, and I tried, and I still can't, and it's not Last Airbender. We we did that one. This one was Doom. For me, Ugh. Doom was such a letdown. I remember seeing the trailer for it. I'm like, oh, the rock's in it. Okay, this is going to be good. Changing the whole story. Like, again, with Hollywood, they have a perfectly good story in the video game itself. Changing it from demons to a virus is just like they're trying to hop on that Resident Evil train, I guess. And that's a that's one, too. But, you know, it, Doom was just such a letdown. And then they mm-hmm. tried to do the first person gimmick. And you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought up the. Uh, uh, <laughs> you just said it and I am drawing a complete blank now. The other Resident video game movie that wasn't Doom. Resident Evil. Resident Evil, yeah. That was a movie that I was completely done by because the first time that game came out, I remember playing that on a PlayStation in the basement in the dark and being petrified of things jumping out of the shadows at me for days. Like, that was a great game. And it had Resident Evil 1. If you just filmed that gameplay start to finish in a cinematic sequence, it would make for an amazing movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But they decided to take the Resident Evil movie and eh, forget that. We're going to do this loosely. And it, it did tie into the franchise eventually, but you're, you're talking about Resident Evil. The first video game is about a couple of cops that are stuck in the middle of the city with a zombie infestation trying to tear them apart. The Resident Evil first movie was a techno thriller of trying to crawl through a maze of an AI gone berserk in a secret government facility. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not quite the same. Jumping through lasers is not the same as trying to jump jump away from face-licking monsters crawling through the second floor window. <laughs> well, and that's the, th- that's the thing, too, I guess, that with live action, you know, coming from cartoon, I mean, even the Scooby-Doo movie, it's, it's one of those ones where you're like, you know, we've all seen Scooby-Doo, we like Scooby-Doo, and then they do the live action, and it's like, it's quirky. Scooby-Doo looks weird kind of takes me out of it you know mm-hmm. the flintstones movie is just like i get what you guys are trying to do like the flintstones movie i think does a decent job with what they have for the yeah, source they, they, material they did the looks pretty good but it was it's just tough to turn that into a live action one right <laughs> so i mean we're i think we're always going to get disappointed a little bit because we have these attachments to these characters you know like mm-hmm. Especially to, to me, video game movies will always kind of rub me the wrong way because they're not done right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some video game movies that have been just basically CGI, like from the Resident Evil franchise, which are fantastic because they try to follow it a little bit. But it's one of those ones where, like, I guess we need to go into something with a little bit of disappointing 
like a disappointment on our shoulders. Because <laughs> I think that's what we did after Transformers 1. When you and I went and saw Transformers 2, we had that low, low expectation because we knew exactly what we were getting into. Mm. So, uh, mm. And I feel that it's, you almost have to get there because it's if you're really into something, you you are going to be let down, and you just have to know that fact going into it and just trying to enjoy it for what it is. Because a lot of these movies that we've you know we've bad mouthed a lot of things that are movies that I enjoy and still watch on a regular <laughs> basis, and so there's not nothing to be said that you can't really really love a fandom or a franchise and not really like the way they did the movie, but eh, I still watched it, I still liked it, whatever. It's just not the way I thought it would be, and yeah. Well, I think there's a difference, too, because with The Mandalorian, they created this whole separate story, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're starting to incorporate characters that people love. So that's kind of a risk in itself Mm -hmm. to to appease the fans, but also you have a high chance of ticking them off. I Mm -hmm. mean, look at people, you know, can you imagine if instead of a uh, the child, what if that had been like a little baby Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> I don't know if it would have got a second season. <laughs> I don't think people would have liked it. I... Somebody else, I saw some on Facebook, somebody posted something about that. They're like, you know, there's not actually a uh, certified canon death of Jar Jar, so there's not saying he can't pop up sometime in The Mandalorian. <laughs> Oh, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Sorry to scare you about that. I know, right? Hey, I got a good one that was a, a brought to life one that I really enjoyed was Josie and the Pussycats. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. And Even that, they, yeah, they, the weird they, edited version. Yeah, the Walmart super clean edit. But that was one they took it and they took the source material from the Archie Comics style type thing and then brought it into the real world in the was it late 90s, early 2000s and still gave it the same kind of vibe that I got from this, the series. And it seems to have a lot of, uh, you know, paying homage to things that were in the comics and it for a comic strip brought to live action movie. It was, I thought it was pretty solid. Well, and that gets to the, to the discussion too, is do you try to modernize it? Like they did with Josie and the Pussycats. Like they, they tried to do with Jim and the hologram. I didn't see the, the I, didn't either. I was kind of, of excited to see Jim and the holograms that came and went and then I, never saw it <laughs> oh, that's what i'm saying is like do you do you with that like do you try to modernize it a little bit do you try to make tweaks here or would it carry by itself and i guess that's the question that a lot of hollywood companies are or studios are asking themselves because i mean there was no reason to put flames on optimus prime mm-hmm. no reason especially when flames were already like 10 years past being cool again <laughs> exactly so i mean it, it's one of those ones is like I don't know. I mean, even with the the Monster Hunter, it's a video game. It's getting it made into a live action movie. It's coming out soon. They made some weird tweaks to the story on that. And I know a lot of people who are diehard Monster Hunter fans and they're excited for the movie, but they're also very nervous because of what the trailer showed. So it's one mm. of those ones where it's like. Yeah, there's certain ones that can be. I, I feel like it's Hollywood's try to be, make it relatable. We got to get all the kids on board to make sure they know what they're talking about. They feel like relatable. Like, isn't doesn't nostalgia have a place in some of these things? Like, mm-hmm. uh, look, something like Stranger Things, which is nothing but nostalgic in the way they set that story up, and it's not just '80s babies that love that show. It just makes sense for the time period of things. 
um, a lot of the new Marvel stuff. We were just watching the latest season of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it was kind of brilliant how they're traveling through time, and they're getting in each different decade, but they're filming each show from each decade in the style that was kind of popular back then. So they had, when they're in the 20s or 30s, they have this old gangster movie vibe. Then in their 70s, they've got a full-on, like, fluorescent spinning flower intros with smiling faces and thumbs up for the characters just to kind of show the genre of the age that they're going to. Which was which was kind of cool, but they have the upcoming WandaVision, which I'm excited for, but I am confused as to how it fits in there, because it's supposed to still be part of the Marvel Universe, and I have a feeling it's probably them lost in the Soul Stone, or some traveling to different dimensions, or something like that, where they're going to be in all these different scenarios from historical times, and then trying to bring them back to the present and time to modern events, and it's... That, that seems to be Marvel's gimmick when I'm looking at all the Marvel shows and movies I'm watching right now is going to the past and showing the past and how it relates back to the present seems to be their their hook and sinker right now. Well, and that's the thing, too, is, I mean, you know, especially with Infinity War, you read the comic and everything like that. And then when it was brought to life on the big screen, they made some tweaks here and there, some to make more sense to the everyday Joe who's watching the superhero movies but then they also made some other tweaks that kind of irked you you know yeah. you're like ah. and, and that's one of the ones too where they, they change it for Hollywood and I can still enjoy it for what they are but from the Infinity Gauntlet Infinity War comics they shouldn't have even mentioned the word Infinity War in the Marvel movies Civil War they touched on got some of that from going on there but the actual Infinity Gauntlet Infinity War saga I'm pretty sure the entire Infinity War six series set of comics, I don't think there was even a page of that read when they made the Infinity War movie because it wouldn't have made sense to me because it's a completely different set of circumstances and other things going on. Like Infinity right. War was all about doppelgangers coming out and heroes having to fight their own selves from other dimensions. And that would have been a tough one. I'm, I'm kind of glad because that one the way the original Infinity Gauntlet Infinity War storyline was written it would have made for a really terrible movie with way too much CGI <laughs> I mean and they're already they're already heavily relying on that CGI and that's the thing too is like you know with Ashaka and everything like that some people are like well they could have made her CGI to, to make them you know longer and everything like that yeah but I mean it would have looked weird like maybe not at first, but there'd have been something where it just didn't flow right. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. like that they're, especially the Mandalorians, trying to do more of the practical effects that the original Star Wars did. Mm -hmm. And I, I appreciate that. And I, I know that she may not look exactly like her Clone Wars thing. It it, it sucks, but at the same time, I, I appreciate that they're not relying heavily on that CGI. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could go on both sides because I think they could have done a few things to make it more, the, the costume itself just look more like it should should have. But I am very happy that they aren't just, ah, we'll just throw on, uh, throw on a bigger one in, in post-editing. Oh, we'll just add those colors under her face afterwards. Oh, we'll just put the, like, every time movie producers do that, I feel like if they're planning ahead of time to enhance something with CGI, it can look good. But when it's, ah, it doesn't look right in real life, we'll just fix it in post, it ends up being a dumpster fire. Yeah, I mean, the, the, that's been the failure of a lot of movies, too. I mean, it's just one of those ones where I think we're going to find, no matter what it is, we're going to nitpick about it. 
mm-hmm. you know, because we're all fans about something. So, I mean, look at, uh, what is it, the Titans show, the live action mm-hmm. one. When we first saw the trailer, we nitpicked it to death because it didn't do this, it didn't do this, it didn't do this. I haven't seen it, but I know some people who watched it. We watched it the first two seasons, and I was it was a fairly enjoyable show. It is not for kids. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and it's not really it's not really the Teen Titans aspect, but it's still kind of a storyline of it, I guess. Yeah, if you're going into the whole multiple DC universe, it opens doors a few more things like that way. And, but I, I still can't. Some of the characters' the designs are so far off that I can't quite wrap my head around them. <laughs> but after watching the season two shows, you're like, okay, well, this is how it is. So. We'll, make it happen whatever let's do this i'm not gonna not watch it because this the starfire doesn't have the right color dress or something like that but it just i I find it funny when people get really 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 upset about the things like they're they're taking like our whole get geekish mantra right is you can like anything and everything even if you're not a super super fanboy fangirl fan person you just hey i liked it i watched the movie i liked it i'm a fan Yes, I don't know who directed it, and I don't know the co-stars' wives' names, but I enjoyed the movie. Like, cool. We're good with that. But it it's it kind of hurts that there's people that take so many of these things to heart that they can't handle it when something is slightly different. Like, if you've ever listened to the podcast, you know that both of us are pretty big lover, Transformers lovers. Like, know a lot about it. Answer a lot of trivia questions about it have a lot of decorations about them and it hurts my heart when they do things to a movie but i can't look at it and be like oh well this is a stupid franchise no i'm never gonna buy another transformers anything again because they crapped on optimus prime like i, I just can't bring myself to that nor can i get upset at somebody else that absolutely loved the new optimus prime like you suck you're not a real transformers man because you like this new dumb one like <laughs> well and, and i think i think you nailed it right there is you could be upset right and you can voice your opinion. Just do not gatekeep. Don't poo-poo on others for liking it. Don't sit there and just get negative and negative and negative about it. You know, if you don't want to watch it, then don't watch it. Mm-hmm. It's that type yep. of thing. Because, I, I mean, that's happened a lot, especially in the geek culture, is something happens. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, actually, you know, Rose from uh, Star Wars. Not the oh, greatest yeah, yeah. character in The Last Jedi, you mm-hmm. know, and I think she was written kind of kind of weird, but that actress got bullied by fans, and I'm going to say Star Wars fans are some of the most toxic fans out there. Um, the, they, a, some of the Star Wars fans. Yeah, I was going to say some, that, it's, some. It's like real life. There's that small percentage of them that are just super loud, super angry about everything, and they're the ones that get the press <laughs> and they take the fun out of it for everybody else but i mean they bullied this poor actress so bad that she you know canceled social media and everything like that and i think that's one reason why jj abrams didn't write her part bigger you know in rise of skywalker mm-hmm. could be i don't know but it's just one of those ones where you can be unhappy just don't take it out on others yeah you can complain about all you want but don't get it don't rag on somebody else that likes something just because you don't think it's perfect <laughs> right and that's the thing about the toxic avengers i am kind of excited to see what peter dinklage does with this because i i really enjoy peter dinklage's work like he's got a lot of movies that i enjoy and his style is really fun to me he's got mm-hmm. that like dry humor very classy but dry humor at the same time and it's 
well, if you watched any of the old Toxic Avenger movies, I feel like he might just be a perfect fit for it. <laughs> right? Oh, and it's one of those ones, too. That's a... that Was it a comic first? Uh, I, believe, it, I, I believe... I believe... I think I mean, so. It, I don't know the time. I know they did the live action, then the cartoon. I think it was the comics, then the live action, then the cartoon series, if I... I could be wrong on that, but I think that's the way it went. <laughs> but yeah, but either way, so you know that's one that's that it's been di- you know done different ways. So I'm kind of excited to see exactly, especially if you watch the old ones and how. <laughs> if, you, if you get a chance to find them, dude, I, I watched those countless times. I was remembering this earlier this week. Those movies were ones that were on USA up all night back when we were kids. Every Friday night, you go on the USA Television Network, and it was hosted either by Gilbert Gottfried or uh, Rhonda Shear. And they just have these old cruddy B movies that you get to watch on there. And then they do little weird, funny commentary and jokes. Elvira was a guest host on it occasionally too. But uh, movies like The Toxic Avenger one, two, and three, and all kinds of movies like that were on there. And it was just good, fun time. It was. It's Friday night. I'm home. There's nothing to do. Here's some senseless gore and quippy one-liners packed into a mutant high school movie. Cool, let's do this. Well, that's the thing, too, is, I mean, you look back at the original Toxic Avenger, kind of dated now, so are they going to go the, you know, the trauma pictures of the campiness and everything like that, or are they going to try to twist it to make it more modern? I don't know. Either way, I'm going to see it. I might be disappointed. (laughs) I honestly hope they try and keep it like 80s based or something like that. Just have the flashback and have old school times for it. Because right. the modern Toxic Avenger, I feel like it's going to be just a little. It, it might get knows. real political too quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what you have Captain Planet for. OK, man, <laughs> I really kind of hope they brought that Don Cheadle version back. <laughs> that was a good one. But I mean, there's there's so many different characters that are being brought to life from animations, you know, especially with comic books. You got Swamp Thing now that's had a revitalization in a new season. Um, you have Toxic Avenger, you have superheroes, and then you have the Star Wars. So it's, I think, what you need to do going into this is set yourself up for some disappointment, low expectations. That way... You, because you and I have been crushed with the first Transformers movie going in with such high expectations and leaving going, it was entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I, I could take it even the X-Men movies. Is superheroes specifically, because you look at superheroes we grew up with in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s superheroes, they were bright-colored spandex. Mm-hmm. That does not translate to the big screen, big screen well. Do I think a lot of the costumes and character designs for the new X-Men movies are god-awful? Yes, yes, I do. But at the same time, I'm also glad they didn't just put Hugh Jackman in a yellow leotard to have him play Wolverine. <laughs> that not that would not have made a good movie either. <laughs> no offense to Hugh, but you know, anyone in a yellow leotard is not something I want to stare at a screen for two and a half hours. <laughs> so I mean, we have. And I, I think Hollywood's going to just keep churning out stuff. I know that there's a whole bunch of video game movies set to to release here soon. And I know that The Mandalorian's still going to be introducing cameos and things from Clone Wars and other genres. So, I mean, there's going to be live action versions, real versions of animations from probably years and years and years to come. 
I will hand it to the Angelina Jolie Maleficent movies. Pretty solid adaptation from animation to real life. Look-wise, yes. Character-wise, no. I, that's well, a whole char- other... Character-wise, <laughs> different story, but looks bring life. I was going to say, that's a whole other thing. But like, I did not like the Maleficent movies because they butchered her character. But th- that's the thing. Is like I know tons of people who love that movie. Good. I'm glad that you enjoy it. <laughs> well, it's also tough when you're building off a story that's antagonist is yeah. a old woman that's angry she didn't get invited to a baby shower and takes 18 years of revenge like 16 years of revenge yeah <laughs> how dare you didn't invite me kidnapping <laughs> oh man so i mean let's open this up for discussion like you know we've talked about some of our favorites some of our disappointments what are some yeah. of yours yeah, your job, go to the comments, social media, at Gig Geekish, uh, find a post, and then let us know either a character or a movie or a show that is an amazing adaptation from animation or comic to real life. Or if you want to go the negative route, find one that is god-awful on how you'd make it better. Yeah, don't get too negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can, you can complain all you want, but the process is what would be better? Who would have made a better casting? What could they have done in the designed to make it better not just mm, like it we're gonna yeah, be pro- go the, proactive here people go the ryan and reynolds route of you know he knew his original deadpool was not great he voiced his opinion on it but he played it so he could make it his own mm-hmm. eventually and he did so mm-hmm. go go that route <laughs> hand claps all around right anyway let us know uh, animation cartoons brought to real life. What's good, what's bad? Let us know at Get Geekish, and we will talk at you next week.